We're speaking with John Paul Mac Isaac. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. Thank you for having me on the show. You're quite welcome. And in this latest development, U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley has written a letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray and also U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland saying that highly credible whistleblowers have now come forward alleging widespread misconduct by both federal agencies over the handling of derogatory information about President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, in the months leading up to the 2020 election when Joe Biden was vice president. First of all, is there any speculation in your mind as to who these highly credible whistleblowers are that Senator Grassley is referring to. And when you learned of this, what was your response, your thoughts to Senator Grassley's information? Well, you know, when I heard that there were whistleblowers in the FBI, I was relieved because I knew, even though I knew the FBI was probably not going to be the best course of action. I knew it was the right course of action because I and I knew that there had to be some rank and file. There had to be somebody in that agency that still loved the country and stood up for justice. And I'm glad that there still are. So I'm very excited to see what happens with these developments. And I've already offered my support and full cooperation. I experienced the corruption with the FBI early on when actually my father first approached the FBI in October of 2019 with a copy of Hunter Biden's laptop and basically a mission to keep his son safe or my father trying to keep me safe. And, you know, the FBI treated him horribly, uh, refused to help, questioned his motives, uh, denied wanting to take anything other than the paperwork. And apparently that paperwork has ended up on, I guess, a gentleman named Tobias's desk and, uh, he decided to label it Russian disinformation. So I'm, I'm happy that we're finally getting to the bottom of what I've seen for over a year and a half, almost two years, of uh, the politicization and the weaponization of uh, this federal agency. So I'm glad people are stepping forward, and I'm uh, glad that uh, hopefully we'll fix what's broken. Just so I clearly understand, are you saying that you believe that these highly credible whistleblowers are within the FBI? I, I hope so, because again, there's, there has to. It can't be all rotten. It cannot be a complete hundred percent tool for political advantage. And I'd like to think that there's individuals. And I, I personally made requests on several podcasts over the past month that if the FBI, or if there's a member of the FBI that wants to revisit this, if the laptop is gone, if it's disappeared from the evidence room. I have my father's original copy that has not been circulated through the media, that hasn't been touched by any hands. And if an agent wanted to step up, I'd be willing to work with the FBI again. It was always my intention to deal and hand this criminality to the authorities. And I still feel like the FBI is the proper institution for that task. Do you think that the FBI and also the attorney general's office are under direct orders of President Biden himself or someone within the Biden administration not to move forward on allegations and information surrounding Hunter Biden? I can only speculate on what I've experienced. And I experienced an agency that withheld that laptop from being admitted as evidence during an impeachment trial. So that's before the Biden administration. So whoever had weaponized the FBI at that point, because the laptop had enough 
actionable criminality on it that would have justified a phone call to Zelensky. So the impeachment trial was a sham, and the laptop would have proven that. But the FBI chose not to allow that laptop to be admitted as evidence. Instead, they buried it. And that's before the Biden administration existed. So it begs the question, who was making the decision to control the FBI to steer the election to favor the Biden administration? Because I don't think it was they were acting under the orders of the Biden administration because back then the Biden administration was just a campaign. The U.S. Attorney General's office in Delaware is, of course, investigating Hunter Biden's uh, business and tax dealings. He's been under investigation since uh, 2018. And the financial and business activities that I'm referring to are in foreign countries. Well, his father was vice president. Do you think that any charges will end up coming out of the U.S. Attorney's office from Delaware? Again, I, I don't like to speculate uh, from an experience in my previous industry. I can only go by what I've, I've experienced. And in the two months that I had possession, that that laptop was my property before I handed it or attempted to hand it over to the FBI, I witnessed levels of criminality that would affect state and federal level. And, and I don't have a law degree. I was able to eventually show this material to people to put the, together actionable packages and nobody will touch them. So it's not like this, the criminalities, you have to dig for it. I don't understand why there's had to be a four-year investigation into something that is clear as crystal. Ultimately, uh, we'll you... After you went to the FBI, you then went to Congress and then Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani. Would you tell our listeners just a little bit about what happened when you went to Congress and then ultimately to Mr. Giuliani? Well, I mean, you got to keep in mind when my uncle and my father, both retired colonels in, in the Air Force, approached Congress with material to try to alert them to the existence of the laptop and, and how the FBI had hidden it. And it was falling on deaf ears. At that time, we're talking, you know, February through May of 2020, we had a pandemic. On top of that, there was the three years of the Mueller investigation, fears of Russian disinformation, Russian collusion. It's, it's all you heard for three years was Russia, Russia, Russia. Great men had their careers destroyed because of alleged Russian collusion. So I think there was this... Uh, curse in, in Washington, where nobody wanted to touch anything with a 10-foot pole for fear of getting wrapped up in another Russian collusion. So uh, our cries for help just fell on deaf ears, and we tried multiple offices, multiple uh, lines of communication, and unfortunately, it, it, we were left with one other option, and that was to approach the executive branch. And the only way I could see doing that safely was to approach the lawyer for the president of the United States. That just happened to be Rudy Giuliani. Ultimately, the New York Post broke the story about Hunter Biden's laptop, but it wasn't until earlier this year that other publications, such as the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, finally admitted that this, in fact, was a story and that the laptop even existed. How did you feel when they, they finally came forward and said, yes, this did happen? Well, I kind of felt it's like a little like a day late and a dollar short, but uh, or better late than never. 
I, I think it's more they're just covering their bums. Uh, the the fact that the narrative that this is just another Russian plot or a, a Kremlin uh, scheme uh, is has been destroyed, and I'm hoping with that narrative getting destroyed, so so does the 51 intelligence experts' careers and their credentials get destroyed as well. Because anybody that decided to to run with this narrative to replace the truth with this lie. I think these publications and these uh, you know, legacy media outlets have to admit that it's real on some level. Even CNN came out the other day, I think yesterday, the day before, with a little blurb about emails from Hunter Biden's laptop. I think they have to admit because they don't want to get caught in the lie. Their credibility is already in the toilet. This would just be another nail in the coffin for them. You've written about this entire experience in a book, American Injustice, My Battle to Expose the Truth. Would you tell us a little bit about that book? Well, I had no idea. Well, my life in general is nothing like I would have ever imagined it. And I I had no idea how I was going to defend my actions when I lost in the court of law with Twitter, because Twitter wanted to punish me and set an example so they basically financially destroyed me and took away my opportunity to fight and, and defend my actions and hold those accountable in a court of law. So I figured the only other option would be to write a book, uh, explain from my experiences what happened, uh, show that there, the collusion between our mainstream, our social media, and our alphabet agencies to repress a real story that had real consequences, not just to me and what I went through, but ultimately to the nation. And uh, I thought that that would be my best bet to tell my story. So I wrote the book, and it's uh, it's coming out soon, hopefully sooner than later. It says November, um, but it's it's getting close to going to print, and we're very excited. And I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Miranda Devine helped me get in front of her publisher, and because at that point nobody would, you know, a lot of the country still thought I was a Russian disinformation ploy so people weren't returning my calls it was it was getting pretty dark uh last december and in, in january uh but luckily i was able to get in contact with miranda divine who wrote the laptop from hell and i just said look i'm, I'm a computer repair guy <laughs> i don't know anything about this world can you please help and she did step up and and now i feel like i have an opportunity to uh hold people accountable and defend my actions do you have any regrets at all for that day that Hunter Biden walked into your now shuttered shop and handed you his laptop? No, because when he walked in, he was just a guy. His dad wasn't running for president. He was just a messed up guy. Initially, when I saw the Bo Biden sticker, I thought his, these were his deceased brother's computers. And he was like so many customers that bring in deceased family members equipment. They just want the memories off of them. And so I felt bad about the guy. It wasn't until I started doing the work, I realized, no, this isn't, this isn't Bo's laptop. This is Hunter's, and this guy's got some problems. So when his dad started running for president, that's when the red flags came up, and I realized if, if the Secret Service or the Biden's handlers found out that I had been witness to the contents of this laptop, my days on this planet are numbered. Did you ever receive death threats because of all of this? Oh, I received a lot of death threats. At first, it, you know, and it, it, last I checked, it's a free country. If somebody wants to scream at me over the phone, that's fine. And when the area code says San Diego or Portland, I don't care. You know, people can say what they want. They can be angry. It's free country. It's when the area code started showing 856 and 484. That's right across the river in Jersey, or that's 
12 miles down 202 into Pennsylvania. It, the, that's when the fear started to kind of build uh, that these, these were people that were that really hated me and they were close. And then they started coming in the store without computers. And uh, uh, I'm actually at that point in time, I was grateful that mainstream and social media did a good job of blocking the story because I, I was still having normal customers come into the shop. And then there'd be occasionally people in with the hoodies and, you know, COVID mask protections up pretty high and, but no computers. So I, I'm glad, I'm grateful that there were customers in the store for the brief time that I remained open. But after about two or three weeks of that, I had to get out of Dodge. It was, it was just getting too scary. And what's your life like now? Um, you've written the book and um, are you working or, or what's your life like now? Huh. Uh, my life is cautious. Uh, I had to move back to Delaware. Um, I live about 10 miles from Joe Biden. I don't really leave the house. I don't want to rub salt on a wound. Um, there's still, you know, a fair portion of the community that resents my actions. So I keep to myself, um, you know, a perk of COVID is everybody delivers everything now. So I can get cat litter and a margarita. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm held up at home. Uh, I've been focusing in on woodworking. <laughs> I don't fix too many computers. I don't want people to know my address and where I live. So it's kind of, you know, it's I'm just working on my my lawsuits with the America Project uh, to hold these people accountable. I'm working on getting this book out as fast as possible. So hopefully before the next election, you know, the 86 percent of the country that gets all their news through their digital devices might be aware that there could be a lens put over those devices. And that lens is controlled by somebody that might not have their best interest. So. Yeah, you know, I'm just uh, trying to keep the fight going because this is what I do now. And in hindsight, what needs to change in the aftermath of all of this, and what can we learn from it? Well, you know, I'm just a naive repairman, so I, I just see an opportunity to watch something break before you fix it. And that's usually the best way to fix something is when you actually witness the failure. And in my case, I lost everything, my business, my life, my friends, some family members, and that that happened due to a failure in our Justice Department, our, our weaponization of our resources, our federal resources, um, and then the lying and cheating and stealing of this nation. And we've witnessed this, and it's easily to prove this is, I'm real, I'm not a Russian spy, this is not a made-up thing. So I'm hoping that with the witnessing of the failure, we can we can fix it correctly. And I think the first steps with Grassley and these probes, and then we need to start writing subpoenas now so that when we take over in November, we will be ready to fire January 3rd. Like we're on all cylinders, ready to go. So I'm, I'm very excited to play or continue to play a part in this because this is, this is my country and I love it. And finally, would you ever consider running for public office? If 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 I did something great in my life that I felt like that I could be transposed to the betterment of the nation, I would absolutely. I love my country. I just don't think I've done anything other than just try to do a right thing with a laptop. We'll see how the battle unfolds. If I can continue this fight and continue with the support of all the Americans that know I'm not a Russian spy, that have supported me this whole time, that have given me the strength to continue the fight, then we'll see what happens when we win. 
Um, I, this is, again, a life I never wanted and I never expected, and I'm still not very comfortable with it. But it's I've, doing the right thing has steered me pretty good so far, all things excluded. So I'm going to keep fighting. John Paul Mac Isaac, anything else you would like to tell our listeners or say? I just want to thank everybody for their support because I wouldn't have made it this far without them. Thank you very much for being with the 77 WABC Early News. We appreciate your time and all your insight. Thank you very much for having me on the show. You're quite welcome. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.